3: As we welcome you along to the uh, programme, certainly from a weather point of view, we had gorgeous sunny spring weather. It mightn't have been very warm, but it was really lovely to see uh, blue skies. I met Aaron, are warning us all to dig out the rain gear because that very fine weather is set to disappear from today. They're talking of a high pressure that kept the clouds away over the past few days that's starting to dwindle from today, and more southerly brisk airflow then is setting in over the country. Which means today and uh, tomorrow it will lead to some wet and blustery conditions. It'll be particularly blustery and unsettled tomorrow night going into Wednesday. But there is some uh, good news even though the weather is unsettled this week the temperatures are gradually going to rise. There will be some cold nights but the temperatures should be rising during the day but certainly it was lovely lovely weather over the weekend and I, I don't know I, I take it like all of us we're a bit consumed not even consumed is even the wrong word but just our my every waking thought is on Ukraine and there was times over the weekend where I was looking out at this beautiful weather that we had and if I was out and about and I came back in and I was thankful for the lovely weather and then the TV screens had the dreadful pictures that were coming out of Ukraine. You just couldn't get it, get those poor people out of your mind. I even found when I was out at the weekend, you know, doing my bit of shopping and unpacking the, the taking the food out of the trolley and putting it into the back of the car and, and thinking, imagine if you were in a war situation and you were just rushing to the shops to grab the bits that were left that you could buy and then you were trying to rush home again. What would it be like? Because, you know, up to, what are we, are we at day 11, day 12 today? Previous to that, the people of Ukraine were going around, living their lives the very same as us, getting up and going to work on a Monday morning, sending the children out to school, pottering around the shops, you know, getting their bits and pieces, just living very ordinary lives and I was even listening to a report from Odessa at the weekend and Odessa is that beautiful port that I think uh, why we uh, a lot of the cities and towns in Kiev uh, were only getting to hear their names now they're not towns or cities that we would have been familiar with but Odessa certainly is a port we all would have heard of uh, before and I saw the people of Odessa and they filling up their sandbags and trying to put in some kind of a protection around the port of Odessa because what they think is going to happen is it's going to be an amphibious invasion they'll come in from the sea so they were down at a yacht club in Odessa early on Sunday morning and they were filling up the sand uh, bags and I heard this report of they had music piped out from a local radio station so music was playing and you know everybody was being very industrious, very busy filling up the sandbags. and a human chain was being formed and they were passing on the sandbags. But last Saturday they were, they were planning to have an oyster and jazz festival at the yacht club and the signs the reporter I was listening to said the posters were up advertising this oyster and jazz festival that was due to be going ahead. You know, they were, so people would have been coming down, looking forward to having a nice day out. And it was, you know, the weather hopefully would have been, that it wouldn't have been too cold, but they would have wrapped up warm and they would have been eating their oysters and enjoying some nice jazz, just doing something very, very normal. And they, like us and like every other country in the world, coming back out after COVID, probably the oyster and jazz festival was cancelled for the last number of years. And instead, here they were on that Saturday morning, filling up sandbags, trying to put in some kind of protection against the might of the Russian army. It just really sort of got to how much their lives have uh, changed. And Vladimir Putin has uh, condemned, has been condemned as barbaric after civilians attempting to flee the invasion of Ukraine were killed by Russian shells. I mean, that was the one when this um, humanitarian corridor was set up and it was meant to start 10 o'clock our time on Saturday morning, and again I was looking at the clock at ten o'clock, saying, wishing them all safe passage, get the get them out, get the the old and the frail and the very young and the injured, and give them the safe passage. And to hear within an hour or two that the people trying to flee the cities were bombarded with uh, shells. Just I couldn't believe I actually couldn't believe what I was hearing. And a lot of the papers today have a photograph of a family of four. It's two young children and the mum and the dad uh, reportedly killed. The photograph that, I, that is in a lot of the papers today, uh, you see them lying on a bloodied street and there are Ukrainian st- soldiers attempting to save them but it looks like all four of them had, have, have died and their suitcases are there and you're looking at the suitcases and we all have the suitcases on wheels now and you think they would have used those suitcases probably in previous years to go away on holidays but there's also a pet carrier box beside them, I don't know if there's a dog or a cat inside it and this family we were trying to flee the city. It was at the time that the humanitarian convoy, it was the corridor was meant to be in a place, and all four of them were killed. It's just, it's it's just that photograph today is really, really stark. And there was a photograph at the weekend that I can hand on heart say I think will remain with me for the rest of my life. And it was a photograph of a young couple. And Running into an accident and emergency department, and the father is at the front of the photograph, and he has a little boy, an eighteen-month-old little boy by the name of Kirill, wrapped up in a blanket. Again, they were trying to get out of Maripol when this safe corridor was meant to be been in place and their little son, little 18 month old little baby was hit by shrapnel in the head so of course what did they do? They scooped him up, he was wrapped in a blanket you could just see his little hand had fallen out from the blanket and the look of just fear and terror on the father's face as he is running in to the accident and emergency department to try to get help for his little boy and behind him the picture of 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 complete heartbreak on the mother's face you could just you could see her face and she's splattered in obviously the blood of her little boy and then it turned out later the the medics tried to save the little boy and they couldn't and there was a follow up photograph of the mother the father standing beside her she slumped in a chair and all she just kept repeating was why why you know why a little 18 month old baby and they were leaving the city at a time where they felt that they were going to be uh, safe and these are the kind of the stories and the pictures that we're seeing and this is the this is the real ugly side of war innocent people are being killed and they're being killed every single day while this war uh, continues and this is a country that wasn't aggressive towards Russia. I just cannot understand why Vladimir Putin is doing what he is doing and it just doesn't it just doesn't seem to be uh, ending and there was attacks on all of the civilian routes as the people were heading out of the cities. Obviously that's has been condemned by every single Western uh, nation and I know I don't often agree with the the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson but he wrote an essay in the New York Times and he warned that the invasion was sinking further into a sordid campaign of war crimes and unthinkable violence against civilians. The condemnation was also echoed by Anthony Blinken he's the US Secretary of State and he was in Moldova I think it was I saw him at the weekend. He said the Russian abuses in Ukraine would constitute a war crime. Separately lawyers are already working within the international International Criminal Court and the UN, and they say they've compiled evidence already of thousands of war crimes committed by President Putin's uh, forces. Boris Johnson is today holding talks with world leaders. This is part of a week of intense diplomacy. Let's see if we can go down the diplomatic route. The British Prime Minister laid out a plan though for defeating Mr Putin. It includes mobilising an international humanitarian coalition, providing more defence equipment for the Ukraine, supporting non-NATO countries such as Moldova and uh, Georgia uh, because they're now a threat from you know what some people are calling a Kremlin playbook if they get through Ukraine the next two will be Moldova and Georgia because they're not NATO uh, countries and President Emmanuel Macron of France he seems to be the only one who does seem to have contact with President Putin he blamed the he had another telephone call with Putin at the weekend of course Putin did his usual he blamed the Kiev the attack the government in Kiev claiming that the Ukrainian nationalists were preventing Civilians and foreign citizens from leaving uh, the the cities. President Putin has vowed to press on with his offensive. He says it's going according to plan. It is in his tiny brain. He says he will continue with his plan unless Kiev surrenders. And there has been already mounting unrest at home in Russia because I know on Friday people were saying why aren't the Russian people standing up against this lunatic but of course it's very difficult for them to get out and protest but if enough get out and protest there's over 100 million people they can't arrest everybody I know at the weekend a group they're the OVD Info they're an independent protest monitoring group and they documented at the weekend the detention of 4,366 people at protests in Russia it was at 56 different Cities across the country. If more Russians, they can't literally lock up all of their uh, citizens. And the uh, Anthony Blinken, the US Secretary of State, he confirmed that the US, along with the Allies, are having a very active discussion about banning the import of Russian oil and natural gas. Now, this is important because oil and gas account for more than half of Russia's total exports. They make the bulk of their money out of the export of oil and coal, coal out of Oil and gas. So, if we stop buying the oil and the gas, that would have a devastating impact on the economy, and obviously would stop him having the money to go to war. But of course, the flip side of that is if we stop buying Russian oil and gas, Western nations uh, then would be would. would have a problem at home because we all have spiralling prices going up at the pumps. We're already giving out about them here. And if we were to stop, there could be an energy crisis and those prices could go even further. And Western nations, though, as they're considering the prospect of this boycott, and I know there's work going on to look at other sources of oil, go to other countries to see if they can up their production so that we can completely leave Russia out of the picture. Because I know the Ukrainian foreign minister at the weekend, he was calling on the West to please stop buying Russian oil. And he, I thought, made a very stark statement at the weekend. He said, by buying Russian oil, it smells of Ukrainian blood. And the man is uh, so right. Uh, 0818 As I say, just lots and lots of column inches in all of the papers today on that uh, situation, which just seems to be getting uh, worse. A couple of people are asking about the electricity credit that the... We had it on the news this morning with uh, Barry because the president has signed it into law. And when are people going to start seeing that on their electricity bill? Somebody saying the €100 credit, it's actually €200. euro. Okay it's been signed into law it's expected that people will start receiving the discount from next month now what's important to note when you do get your ESB bill with this 200 or electricity bill should I say with your 200 euro uh, credit it will appear on your bill as 176 euro and 22 cents that's what the credit line will appear but the full discount is actually 200 euro because the VAT has been factored into that. Uh, We're told it will start to appear on people's bills from April though it might be May or June for some people it depends on the billing cycle you're in with your electricity provider and most customers on prepay meters they'll start to get the credit in full from next uh, month. Landlords whose tenants do not have electricity count are expected to pass the discount on and remember if the discount isn't passed on to you the Residential Tenancy Board will mediate and adjudicate in any case cases of a dispute and the credit will be automatic automatic, so customers don't have to do anything because people are saying do we need to apply you don't so it's from it should start appearing as I say from April but it could be May or June for others depending on your billing cycle and people a lot of people will say not before time Always 103 103 John Paul's taking your calls
1: Court today on C103
4: with Sean Cusack. Insurances Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie.
3: Now over the weekend, the United Nations confirmed that there are now up to about a one and a half million people fleeing their homes in Ukraine and seeking refuge in European countries. But what about babies, children, and older people who are living in state-run homes and orphanages? What's happening to them? Fiona Corkran is of the charity the Greater Chernobyl Cause and she's been working in Ukraine for many years and uh, she joins me this morning Good morning to you Fiona Good morning um, Patricia uh, Theo, How are you today? I, I'm, 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 I'm good I'm, 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 I just can't get Ukraine out of my head so no. I'm even slow to say I'm good but from no. the start of the evacuation and watching and I've been watching all the people come off all the trains in, in Poland and all of the other different border crossings and then I, I already in the week said What's happening in the orphanages? Who's Because I heard of one uh, orphanage where some of the staff weren't able to get in and the older children were trying to look after the younger children. Now, you're working in in your own orphanages. What's happening?
5: Well, for instance, now Father's Home. Father's Home is a children's home which like, takes orphans and abandoned children off the streets. We've been working very closely with Father's House for, I suppose, over 20 years. We've been providing together a loving home with care and education. But now to think of, like, on top of all that trauma that they've suffered, these children now are caught up in war. They've been taken from the sanctuary of their homes because of war, and they have ended up in Poland and Germany in the refugee camps. Like, our leader, a gentleman called Roman, spoke to me there last week, and he said, like, they left in the dead of the night. They took their children, their babies, the carers on buses, right, okay, and they left Kiev absolutely terrified, right, okay, and they were afraid to stop to even use the bedroom, but at one stage they stopped at a petrol station to use the facilities, and then they could hear all these shelling in the background, absolutely terrified, and they speak about the police there, how they were like actually heroes of helping them. They asked them to turn off lights on their buses that they could actually continue on their journey, first of all, to, to Poland, you know, and they actually had to travel behind the police. Let's say um, in their buses, absolutely terrified. You know, in the dead I'm of night. Let's yeah. say photographs for our people, right? Okay, of them huddled together in basements, children elderly people in the winter of their life. How could we ever envision something like this happening? What are you, are you,
3: say, are you saying, have you, have you got all of the children out of father's house? No, oh,
5: no. there are some remaining. There are some absolutely remaining. And they're in Kiev. Some, they're, in, they're, in they're in Kiev. They're in Kiev and some are remaining in, in basement. Some have moved on and they're even frightened to stay where they are at the moment in case they're shelled. Can you imagine that? You know, innocent little children. Look, we've, we we sent our first truck on Thursday uh, filled with humanitarian aid, bound for, OK, like the, the, the border, the Ukrainian border in Poland. The first time in all our years that we couldn't go into, let's say, Ukraine. All right. I've never felt this way as I felt in my last 26, 27 years ago. I'm, I'm truly heartbroken, right? We haven't been out there since late, in any of our countries since late 2019 because of the pan- pandemic. And no, this is happening. But we sent over our 40-foot truck and towers that filled with tents and blankets and equipment. We couldn't have done that. First aid, I suppose, items as well and hot co-water bottles and, and items that you wouldn't think of. Only for the support of a gentleman who came on board called Peter McGill. He's a company there, an electrical company in um, Little Island. And then there's um, a cargo company called um, Emerald Cargo. They joined him. Um, KSD Transport in Kilkenny. And they funded. And again, our, the people packing our aid Probationary services in Cork. I, I you know, I, I applaud them. Our volunteers, our regular volunteers, the Cork College of Commerce students, our wonderful William O'Brien and the Bandon Road and John and Adam Paul who allows their storage. Without
3: all these people. You wouldn't you know, be able what to do it. Do? I'm sorry, so, I'm just... Yeah, I'm just. no, uh, it, it's a, there's a sense of hopelessness, and yes, when is, you're able you to do... You feel inept. Yeah. I feeling it.
5: But the great then I, I received a call, a friend of Peter McQuill's, um, a gentleman called Patrick Ken, uh, Patrick Henry, who is actually um, coming on board now, or sorry, excuse me, Henry Quinn. Um, he's coming on board now with the Bus Workers Fund and another four... Trucks that we will send out by the fifteenth of um fifteenth sixteenth of March, and again other transport like um, Dennis Downey and Murphy Transport are coming on board to help us with the mission. Yeah, we work very closely with Ukrainian there's embassy no, there's no, no short, yeah,
3: there's no shortage of volunteers. That's for sure. Gee go God, back, to, go country, back to go back to the whole country. I, has Stopped, they? I'm thinking of of the little ones that you got out. You got out and got them to Poland. They are now in. They're now, in a they're re- now gone in on a to ref-
5: Germany to Ge- Second. Oh. So they're now gone to Germany, and they're in a, a refugee camp in Germany.
3: And is that where they'll remain? They
5: will remain there temporarily. Now we have contacts in various parts of Europe as well. We're working very, very closely with the um, embassy. We had an article there, I think, it was on the Examiner and the Echo during the week. And to see to see families right around the country who've reached out to us, people actually even from which you believe from the states, from the UK, saying we can offer home to babies, we can offer home to families, but of course you have to be very careful and you must go I through know, the right I know, I know, yeah, I know, and I know. The Red say, Cross, I know the red, say, Oh yeah, yeah. The yes, Red yes, Cross are
3: in, involved in that, Do but you, these are yes. orphans. These these are children that have nobody in the world.
5: No. Our wonderful cares, these people would have been, these children, right, okay, would have been uh, relinquished, the parents would have been relinquished of their rights, okay, or they would have given up their rights of the children and then under the care of our wonderful people, our sister charity in Ukraine, now fled from there. But of course, we will look after, look after, look after them and we'll continue to to be secure and they're they're safe, you know. Are some of them special needs? No, no. Um, well they would be, sorry would. There's actually three children that would have special needs But three the others don't
3: the, the, the others don't And then no. what about the um, y- y- You work in, like, what we would class as nursing homes With older people We do What's, we what's happening with them? Again, these people, would you
5: believe They're at, uh, they're in shelters They're in underground Huddled in ground again with their carers The city of Harkiv The beautiful city of Harkiv has been, we say, like, blown away. Blown to smithereens, right, okay? And now the people are literally in underground, where it's, we'll say, like, in the under... Um, Often, we'll say, like, train station, tube stations, in uh, the basement of the care homes where they've been living. And that's where they are. And again, like, evacuation, trying to get them out, trying to support our people.
3: Are some of them too frail
5: to get out? A lot of them. A lot of them are right. But, Hank, we're so grateful for... Who our carers Who stuck? Stuck to them? Who are glued to them? Minding
3: them? They haven't decided to flee. Talking of one of your workers, um, Art. It's Artum, is it? Artum, yeah. Artum. Art, in Kyiv. Artum is in is in Kiev, and Artum works in Father's house. And I'm told he's on the other line. Why? Uh, good morning, Artum.
6: Good morning. Actually, good.
3: A good yeah, afternoon. It's, it's afternoon. Good yeah. Still it's, good morning. I know. It's I know. still good. Okay, how uh, how uh, what was last night like in Kyiv, Artum? It was
6: quite, quite, and uh, it was much much better than previous nights. Uh, or there was only one or two uh, these Syrians that uh, that predict the the missile hit, and uh, last night was good actually. We were sleeping with family and everything was fine.
3: And what is like? But, but but this is but this
6: isn't Kiev. Uh, I'm uh, I'm not. I, I couldn't tell it tell this about uh, Kherson or or Nikolaev because it was uh, hit by the Russian missiles at the morning at five five uh, of the, o'clock at the morning, and uh, it's coming again and again and again. So.
3: And also in Kyiv, Artoum, you have this huge convoy of trucks outside, of tanks outside of of Kyiv. So you live in fear of those tanks moving in, I take it?
6: No. Why I should fear? Because uh, our army forces is the best forces in the world. And they are hit them as as an invaders as it should be. So I'm not afraid because I am protected by Ukrainian armies, This is the best army in the world right now.
3: Such a brave... And you're such brave people. Tell me what's happening in father's house. How many children have you got?
6: Right now, the, we have here two families, and this is uh, f- five kids and four adults.
3: And will you stay in Kiev, Artoum?
6: yeah i will stay in kiev because i'm i'm here this is my this is my land and i i have to support the guys who are staying on the front of the russian invaders thats that's why i should stay here to help to to serve them to to help to to, to those people who are sitting in the bomb shelters that's why i should stay
3: what, what would your message be to President
6: Putin? <laughs> oh, I am not talking with the killers. This is my message. But this is, you know, this is not only Putin's Putin problem. This is problem of all people of Russia. Because even the, if they say we are not, we are against the war. They are, didn't want to fight for their freedom. As you know, right now, uh, a lot of the companies left the the Russia. Yeah. A lot of the companies left the Russia. And uh, right now we have news that after two days, they will close the Internet and only Russian servers will work. So they right now going directly to the North Korean scenario and all the people, all the population, that uh, 150 million people living in Russia they they right now are stuck in complete disaster they and did. they didn't understand that they didn't they didn't realize it right now every evening we are playing in one game really funny game we are just checking the booking for the flights from Moscow to other cities of Europe or mm-hmm. the middle east and we are just uh, looking on the price for the tickets. Mm-hmm. For example, to fly uh, from Moscow to Paris, f- uh, tomorrow, you should pay 5,000 euros for one ticket in economic class. This is what they are fighting for here in Ukraine. Yeah. And I-, I-, I heard that you are t- talking about Kharkiv. Uh, Kharkiv. Kharkiv was always the most pro russian city in ukraine the most pro russian city in ukraine because they are only four hundred, they are only <laughs> 40 kilometers far from uh, from russia right now you couldn't find any any one person in kharkiv who will support russians
3: so yeah so you want this war to end and you will re, you will rebuild ukraine again artum
6: Yes, of course we will rebuild. Of course we will rebuild.
3: Okay, listen, stay as safe as you can and uh, thank you for taking our call.
6: Thank you. Thank you, Ireland. Thank you. Thank you, guys.
3: God bless. I feel it's hard to talk. Just, it's it's just, just you know, and even voice. even uh, even when I mentioned, He's such uh, a strong man. Yeah, even it? when I mentioned about the convoy, I was thinking, oh God, yeah. why am I saying this? going to. No. And he straight away, I, I, we fear nothing. They are an incredible we, nation,
5: brave, such what a brave nation, what heroic people they are, what heroic people are. When we look at our people, they're war refugees. We're not going to fail them, Patricia. We'll continue to do everything that we can support. Our mission will continue. Of course it will, but it's just our hearts are broken for our babies, our children. I know I'm repeating myself. I'm sorry for our elderly people. You know, I I keep saying, God almighty, every evening, every morning you're saying, you know, and you're listening to more outbreaks of war in different regions, there's no green with we'll a corridor in Mori So like the, the children and the mothers, the elderly, they can't get out and they're being sh-
3: yeah, I, mentioned at the, I mentioned at the start of the programme, it's from uh, Maripol. that photograph of that yeah. young family with their little 18-month-old the little boy, Corinne, who, d- who died, boy. and the mother just asked why, why?
5: Why, yeah, why, yeah. why my child being taken, why? But Tricia, can I appeal please to your, to, to, you, to, to your listeners to please, to help us in any way that they can. Our website is IE. My phone number is 0 eight seven nine five three six one three three. We're desperately seeking, you know, support for our people. And I applaud and I thank the people throughout our country, from Cork to Donegal, who are just who are reaching out and collecting aid. Every second, every second you're looking somebody else, maybe in Douglas, in Bishopstown, in Donorale, etc. They're all collecting, which is absolutely wonderful. It's a fabulous, fabulous. We have a great nation of people, we do. don't we? We, do. so we, we have do. a great nation and I'm so oh. proud. Okay, So listen, proud well, of we... our Irish, so proud of our Ukrainians. It's like I've worked. I've worked in Russia for many years, you know. I've worked. We have a hospice in um, Evenskaya in the Kostroma Oblast. I trade for the future for these people as well. How can we continue to help them?
3: this madness has to end we'll keep in contact with you Please, uh, Fiona Patricia. and uh, thanks for joining us this morning and thank you so much
5: indeed our pleasure thank thanks
3: bye bye that is uh, very passionate uh, Fiona Corcoran of the in Chernobyl Cause and thanks to tomb who works in Father's House in Kiev may God keep him and all of the kids safe 18 0818 Court today
1: on C103.
4: With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. C-M-I-G I-E.
3: And as we mentioned on the programme last Friday, we have launched the C103 Ukrainian Crisis Appeal and we're hoping to raise funds for the Red Cross. Joining me to discuss the work the Red Cross is doing on the ground, I'm joined by Charlie Lampson, who's the Head of Fundraising for the Irish Red Cross. Good morning to you, Charlie. Good morning, and you're, you're welcome to the program. Are, are you once again blown away by the great generosity of the Irish people, Charlie?
7: I, I frankly don't know where to begin. It is—it's uh, been incredible. Um, the number of people that have given to us is through the through the absolute roof, um, and it's a real moment of public recognition of, of other people and desperate need. and. Uh, it's just been tremendous it's been quite a week we've raised um we've raised north of 10 million euro uh since last weekend and um it's come through regular donations from from regular people across the island and it just keeps coming in so we're just grateful for that support
3: and i'm always saying with when with donations like like this one charlie it's the the you know, for some people, they might only be able to give a five or a tenner. But yeah. It's all those, and there's other companies. that might be able to give fifty thousand, but it's all those yeah. small donations. They all mount up.
7: They do indeed, and, and to be honest, you know, as grateful as I am for the company that can give fifty thousand euro, it's it's it, 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 what is almost more meaningful is the person who gives five. Yeah. You know, because it's I recognize that. You know, and it's it. This is coming out of of rent money or coming out of you know their homes and their budgets and. The number of people that have done that um so earnestly and, and you know the number of stories we have it's, it's just incredible uh and there are a lot of people that don't have much and have given to this and it's just to, to clarify the support that's coming to us is going uh it's coming through the irish red cross and then we are able to allocate this funding to uh the red cross societies in ukraine in poland in romania and hungary moldova all the neighboring countries there where we've had well over a million People at this point are now who two weeks ago had a home to go to, had a neighborhood, had families, everything that we take for granted, are now you know without food, without water, without medicine, without shelter. And so this is really the specifics of what we're doing. Um, so that that five euro donation it has an impact.
3: And the Red Cross in all of those neighbouring countries working with the refugees that I again mentioned earlier, I think at one point, they reckon one and a half million people have now f- fleed and many of those, it's the Red Cross are picking up.
7: Yes, I mean, it's, it, yeah, we are. And it's, it's we're one of the only organisations in the world that is it is coordinated at that mass international scale to be able to work at a macro level to be able to figure out, OK, what do we need to do in this country, in that country? and and how we can provide that support. So we've got, you know, thousands of volunteers on the ground. I mean, the Red Cross International has 14 million volunteers, and there are a lot of volunteers in Ireland, and for any of them that might be listening to this, I want to say thank you. But here is where that's really being tested, is you've got people, you know, there on the ground meeting people as they're coming across the border and providing the support that they need.
3: Yeah I was watching some of the TV coverage I think it was at the Polish one of the Polish borders and the trains coming in and you could clearly see the Red Cross were there you know just helping people off the trains they were meeting them with just the simplest thing of a warm drink and something to eat and they had a row of buggies lined up for the parents who didn't have a buggy to put their child into and they were the simplest things but you think that kindness that's been extended to these people and those volunteers your volunteers are amazing by the way but those volunteers they need the financial support in order to keep that work going
7: Exactly Exactly. It's just, and for all the the provisions and the things that need to be provided, we're talking about tents, again, medical supplies, you know, all of that, all of these kind of things that suddenly, whereas two weeks ago, none of this was needed. You know, it's all having to be done rapidly and and in a coordinated fashion so that we can help people as effectively as we can.
3: And we know, I I, I won't say if, if Ukrainian refugees and when Ukrainian refugees, some have already arrived in this country. Will you have a role to play here in Ireland with that, Charlie, as well?
7: Yeah, we will, um, and thanks for asking. We've actually set up um, something called a Register of Pledges, and if they go to the RedCross.ie website, they'll be able to find it. And we're asking people to, to, to sign up if they've got a free room or a free property, uh, a vacant property that they're not using. Uh, we're not sure yet on the number of refugees that are going to be coming into Ireland, but but come they will. And we're going to need to have support for them. Uh, I mean, this is something the Red Cross has been doing for the last 50 years. And we also provide, uh, we've got a, a program called uh, Community Sponsorship, where communities can come together. They put together a committee, and they work uh, to provide, you know, an environment for people coming into their communities so that they're supported and looked after, things like getting them on sports teams and, and just getting them, helping them with that whole process of getting settled in the community.
3: So people can go to redcross.ie, yeah, to find out more information about that. Particularly though, if and I know I was reading, I think in the paper earlier. I think you've had about one thousand five hundred offers already. People have are really willing to throw open yeah. their homes, Charlie.
7: That number's gone up to about two thousand. So Has it? So people are. It's incredible. I mean, and it's you know you might <laughs> you might pick up from my accent. I'm, I'm from Boston. Originally, yeah. I've been here for a lot of years, but I mean, one thing that is. Uh, is remarkable about Ireland is that outpouring of support. You know, people just are uh, so generous here and it's, it's such a strong part of the society here. And it, You see it at times like this and it's, it's tremendous.
3: And we've, you've, we've no way of knowing how many refugees will arrive on our shores.
7: I, I don't have that information, so I don't want to, uh, you know, to, to, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I know it's going to be a lot, um, but that's something I think that the state is still looking at, um, you know, and it's, it's, it. it there will be a lot of people coming in, but I, I don't have a number that I want to...
3: And I know the, the UN are already, I know it's speculation at this stage, but there could be up to 4 million people displaced because of this war. It's a yeah. lot of it's people.
7: It's, yeah, it's yeah, actually, the, the numbers, is, yeah, exactly. It's four and, and it's, it, exactly. It's uh, There's 18 million people that are going to be affected with Ukraine alone. You know, you're, you're talking... Yeah. I mean, the, the, the humanitarian impact, we're already talking about two and a half million people um, just being impacted by the humanitarian needs. But the number is changing daily. Uh, and that's so that's support for people within the country of Ukraine. But then, of course, as you're saying, you know, that of four million people fleeing the conflict. So.
3: Oh we just need this war oh. to we need this war to end. We, we really do it is crazy. crazy. Absolutely. Charlie, listen, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Uh continue yes, good luck thanks. with the amazing work that you do with the Irish Red Cross and we'll do our bit here to try to make as much money for you as we can. Well, but thanks
7: the support that you guys are providing we're we're
3: grateful for it so so thanks everyone Listen you you stay safe thanks Charlie thanks for joining us that is uh, Charlie Lampson Head of Fundraising for the Irish Red Cross you can go to in order to support the work of the Red Cross the C103 Ukraine Crisis Appeal you can access it by going to our website c103.ie forward slash aid and you can give as little or as much as Charlie said it's all those fivers mount up uh, as well and uh, to try to help the people of Ukraine Who find themselves in such a desperate, desperate situation. They really are some, I think, of some of them today living in absolute hell. 0818103103. Jump Hall taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103
1: 103.
4: Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurances Can Sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: Helen in Mitchellstown uh, was on to, us to say she was doing some shopping in Mitchellstown yesterday, and she was unpacking all of her shopping out of the trolley. And you know the way you're busy and you get a little bit distracted. And lo and behold, she'd all the, sh- the all her shopping unpacked and then headed off. But what she didn't realise was she had left her bag. Her bag contained her purse and everything that's in the purse and everything that's in our bags. As we know, if we lose our bags, oh my God, it's almost like the end of the world. Uh, A man saw it and straight away grabbed the bag realised that it had been left behind didn't realise it was Helen's bag but realised some lady had left it behind after doing her shopping so he walked straight into customer service and said hi somebody's left this behind in a trolley so when Helen obviously got home and realised oh my goodness I've forgotten my bag uh, she contacted Tesco and they said yeah we have it here for you at the customer service she doesn't know the gentleman's name because he didn't he didn't say anything he just literally handed it in to whoever was on customer service at Tesco in Mitchellstown yesterday but she just wants to acknowledge that great honesty and kindness on behalf of that man. And also, she wants to say thank you to all of the staff at Tesco in Mitchellstown. So well done, as I say. Don't know what that gentleman's name uh, is. Now, some of your texts coming in on Ukraine. Hi, Patricia. A massive thank you to the Late Late Show on Friday night and to the generosity of the Irish people and their massive. Support towards the suffering of the people in war torn Ukraine. I must say, says Michael, that AD Roach of Chernobyl Children's International stole the show for Michael. She should have got a lot more airtime. She knows firsthand exactly what is happening there, especially with the children in care and with the Chernobyl reactor plant she knows what can go wrong if there's a nuclear disaster but it appears that Ryan Tupper, she didn't want to get into that because he couldn't get a word in edgeways. You could see by her face how devastated she was because she knows what's happening on the ground over in the U- Ukraine a powerful lady, a lovely lady a lady who I've known says Michael for some time and have the utmost respect for the presidential election of 97 said Michael flashed through my mind and the way Fianna Fáil dragged that lady through the gutter is unforgivable she's an outstanding ambassador for any uh, country thanking you yeah I've known I've known Adie Roach for a good number of years as well she is nothing but uh, passionate but yeah she was I, she was on a different level I thought on Friday night but I think because we had spoken to her in advance of the invasion and we spoke to her in the early days of the the invasion by Russia and it's the nuclear side of it that really, really worries her. Because she knows the devastation that it will cause, not just for Ukraine, but indeed for the whole of Europe, and ultimately could be for the whole of the of the world. But and it's one of the reasons why I had Fiona Corcoran on for the question, you because I'm still thinking of the of the babies and the children that are stuck in orphanages, because I know only too well what those orphanages are like. And if if the workers now listening to Fiona and listening to our two who's decided to stay behind in Kiev to look after the orphans and to look after the special needs children and to look after the older people but if they decide to flee or if any of them are killed who's going, you know what's going to happen with those people it just really does not bear uh, thinking about Michael thank you for your text Hi Patricia could you ask your listeners is there anywhere in Mallow uh, where you can drop off items for Ukraine anywhere in Mallow lots of collection points all over the place I don't know anybody know can anybody just know for this listener where in Mallow are collecting items somebody wants to uh, donate Oh uh, eight one eight one zero three one zero three, and then someone else is picking up on the number of refugees that possibly, ultimately will come to this country. Then The figures that has been mentioned is 80,000. Even though I've seen that figure rise, it could be as many as 100,000 Ukrainians who will be displaced because of this war. There will be war refugees who will need to come to this country. Somebody's saying, where are they all going to live? 80,000 people. But as I say, the Irish government is saying it could go to 100,000 because we're part of the EU. We will be committed to taking 2% of the estimated... If If, if there's 5 million refugees flee Ukraine then as a member of the EU we'll take 2% which would be 100,000 people. Now that is speculation at this stage but even the government themselves at the weekend were saying it likely will be 80,000 people. There's a between five and six thousand Ukrainians already living in this country. Many of them work in the meat industry. It seems in the Midlands. So many of those are already because there's a number of refugees that have already arrived, and many of them are coming too. They already have relatives living here, so they're obviously going to move in with their families. But that's not going to be the case with all of the uh, refugees. There's about one and a half thousand Ukrainians have already reached um, uh, Ireland, but as I say, that could go to eighty. 80,000 people or it could go to 100,000 people. We've no way of knowing the numbers. Now there's talks going on with the EU because obviously the EU uh, as the partners will be all sharing the burden of the cost of housing and looking after these uh, refugees and the first talks actually are likely to be at a new EU council meeting which is due to be, take place in Versailles um, uh, this week so where will they all live I mean there's been so much talk I mean when I was when I was speaking with Charlie from the Red Cross he said they already have had 2,000 pledges of accommodation for Ukrainian refugees from Irish people that's anything from somebody saying I've got a spare room you know it's got a double bed in it it could take two people I've got a spare room with two single beds I've got a spare room that I can house one person there's other people who've got vacant properties we're hearing of people who maybe have holiday homes that are saying I'll give up my holiday home and if a Ukrainian family wants to move in and so they've had 2,000 and that was only since they launched the appeal for Pledges of accommodation, and they only did that on the 4th of March. And where are we today, the 7th of March? And they've already had 2,000. So, where will all of the refugees live? A number like that people will throw open their homes and people will move in. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I dread to think that we would end up with refugee camps. I hope that that doesn't happen. There's talks of hotels being used uh, as well. And I suppose a lot of it is speculation because we don't know how many people are going to come, but I think, you know, a large proportion I think will move in to uh, people's homes. And remember these are war refugees. These are people who God help them, they don't want to be here. They need to be here to stay safe, but as soon as the war is over, uh, they will head home and they will the first thing they want to do is get back on a plane to go home and try to rebuild their country again. And it brought me, I was thinking about the refugees when I was watching them coming into Poland yesterday and they were coming into one particular place where so many Jewish refugees had fled from Poland during the Second World War. And people were talking about how outstanding the Polish people have been. They've taken the biggest number of refugees uh, so far and many Polish people are opening up their homes and are housing refugees. And they were asked, you know, there's this great outpouring, this great generosity on behalf of the Polish people. And one person said, what we're doing for the Ukrainians, what wasn't done for the Polish people during the Second World War, we know the pain of war, we know what it's like and we know what it's like to be refugees. And that then brought me back to a moment in time. When I was growing up, I remember my own mother would have lived through the second world war and would have been in would have been in England would have been in London during the blitz but I remember her talking about her mother my grandmother they took in a Polish war refugee. He was a Jewish man who was obviously had to flee from Poland and he was a man by the name of Mac Novak and it's just incredible <laughs> I've only ever seen one photograph of him and I don't even know if that, if that photograph still exists. There was a photograph of him with my grandmother and my mother and my uncle outside where they were living in England and they, t- he, they were opening up their homes to uh, refugees uh, and so Mac Novak came to live with my mother and uh, my grandmother and for the duration of the war and then at the end of the war he had the choice to either go back to Poland but he had lost so much in Poland that he decided to start a new life so he went to America and then when I was growing up a letter arrived from America. He'd somehow tracked my mother down <laughs> she had, since was now living in Clonmel, and a letter arrived and uh, to see was this the same woman who had offered him refuge during the war and the same family and obviously it was and they communicated for a little while. And I remember a box of, like she, she was a widow at that stage with with five young kids and he'd sent over a box of goodies I remember there was macaroni cheese we'd never heard of macaroni cheese before in our lives and there was sweets and treats he'd sent it over for the children and then sort of communication finished up but it's funny how his name I, a man I, I just grew up hearing about that here was a family living through their own war and they managed to take in this man this gentleman Mac Novak and hopefully his family went on and they're all doing well for themselves in America so that's what will happen here and we've a great generosity of Spirit in this uh, country, and if if and remember, these people are fleeing for their lives. And they will come to this country, and hopefully they won't. They won't have to stay for very long. But while they're here, uh, we have a duty to look after them as humans on a human level. If nothing else, we need to look after these people. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Some of your texts. uh, Anne wants to know, Patricia, are the um, post offices? collecting for the Red Cross Anne. I don't know check with your local post office lots of people are collecting for the Red Cross at the moment the post office could be I know I was in my own chemist Hawkins in, in Park West in Mallow on Saturday and they've wonderful they're doing a raffle for this gorgeous hamper so I said I'll buy some tickets for that and they're giving all the proceeds to the Red Cross so there's many many uh, collections uh, going on and Tim says if we're serious about Russia we should cut off all transactions for them uh, not one block of cheese or one Block of Kerrygold butter should be exported, we should end it. All. That's by text to 0862 103 103. And hi Patricia, will you give a big shout out please to the Charleville Park Hotel. A wonderful night at Nathan Carter Concert. Well done to everyone uh, who did a wonderful job. And isn't it great that people are getting back out again and that, you know, entertainment is opening up and people can get back out and enjoy themselves. And music is just so good for the soul. So uh, hi to everybody that went along to the Nathan Carter Concert and well done to the Charleville Park Hotel 0818 103
1: 103 C103 Jobs With Munster Technological
4: University enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time, part-time and professional courses succeeding together with mtu.ie
3: Junior hairstylist wanted for Flair's hair salon that's in Mallow contact via Flair's Facebook Messenger or call Lisa on 087 951 2326 Jumper, driver, goods, grounds workers wanted for sites in Cork City. CVs, please, to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. An office assistant is wanted for the Boho Bui area. You need to have a minimum of two years' experience. Please apply with your CV to esther at ingredientsolutions.net and a sales assistant with some previous experience and an interest in crystals and the relevant terminology wanted for Crystal Earth Mallow. Please email sales at crystalearth.ie You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
1: Court today on C103.
4: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie.
3: Would you be surprised to hear that Cork County Council received the fourth lowest funding per kilometre of any local authority in the country for road maintenance and upgrades last year? When we look at the conditions of some of our roads, I feel nobody will be very, very surprised. Councillor Declan Hurley is the chairman of the Council's Road and Transportation Committee and Declan joins me. Good morning to you, Declan.
8: Good morning Patricia.
3: Um, for the work that you and the executive want to do it must be very frustrating not to receive a higher allocation every year.
8: It's it, it's one of the most I think frustrating parts of, of our work as as public representatives and I can imagine the same for the executive of Cork County Council like when, you, when your listeners will see the condition of our roads and when you want to I suppose, improve on that and the bottom line is everybody's paying their tax and insurance but they're not getting value for money um, when, they're, when they're doing that. So every year at this time of the year we wait in anticipation hoping that we get a significant increase in our funding or allocation for roads but it's, it's only very small every year. And again, it limits the council as to what we can do and what we should be doing to bring our roads up to standard.
3: Yeah, the figure from the Department of Transport and it's almost 66 million euro. Huge, huge sum of money. But when you break it down per kilometre that's where we lose out here in Cork. It, it is, and unfortunately,
8: I, I think the, the, the real root of this is that we're disadvantaged by our location. Um, like, I suppose, if you look back to 2017, we got a, 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 a miserly thirty six million, and thankfully, over the years, that has been coming up, I suppose, bit by bit. In 2020, we got 57 million. That came up then by a further 7 million. In 2021, we got 64, and then this year got 65. But I think the argument needs to be made if if you look at the, the amount of of road network we have, like Cork County Council has eleven thousand over eleven thousand kilometres of road, and if we were to get funding on the basis of that, we'd be getting an additional nine point two million on top of what of the sixty five we got this year. Um, and again, I if, think if, if you take into consideration the I suppose the recession the recessionary times, If if we were getting the equivalent to what we were getting back, say, in 2018, the county has lost out on £279 Uh, of road investments that's a huge huge loss on our roads and, and we can see it um, your listeners can see it every day of the week we drive on the roads they're just crumbling away and they're, they're not getting the level of funding they should be getting
3: Yeah and I think therein lies the problem because of those cuts to road funding since the recession and obviously it was understandable at the time the money wasn't there there had to be cuts but because of that we're only really doing catch up then aren't we at the moment
8: that's all because, like best practice, we, the, the county council are supposed to be doing five percent of road strengthening once in every twenty years. We're actually doing now uh, one point seven percent every fifty nine years. And then, wow. when you look at resurfacing, um, we're supposed to be doing five percent once every twenty years, and now we're only doing three percent every thirty three years. So I think in that speaks for itself that the roads are are not being maintained to a safe standard. Um, And we're making that argument year on year, but it doesn't seem to...
3: Well, you're not being uh, listened to for whatever reason. I mean, does the the department in any way recognise that we have the largest road network in the country? As you say, over 11,000 kilometres of road. Right
8: next to Dublin uh, County Council, we're, we're the second biggest local authority in, in the country. And yet we're still fourth on the bottom of the league table from the point of view of, of money we get for our roads. So it, there's a, there's a serious problem in there. And last Monday, when we got the presentation from our director of roads, he, we, we, we put that question to him. And he did say, in, in defence of the department, that we are getting equal treatment to all other counties. But it, it's only... Recently what we've learned, and we did, I wasn't aware of it in the past, but there's this, this multiplier effect now being um, applied to the likes of, um, say, Mead and Kildare. And again, they're getting um, 10,800 per, um, per kilometre road, whereas Cork is all getting 5,600. And again, as I said at the beginning, we're being disadvantaged by our location because Mead and Kildare are of so close to Dublin. They're claiming that there's extra vehicular activity, heavy goods vehicles, more economic development, um, and therefore, even though Mead and Kildare are getting the, whatever system the department has, they are being, that's being used across the board for every local authority, but then when that is done, there's a multiplier effect being put on to certain counties like Mead and Kildare, and then they're getting the, the bulk. And I would imagine some of the money that are your listeners are paying in, in in water tax is going to the likes of these local authorities because um, of where they're situated on the map, so to speak.
3: Yes, that is galling for sure. Could we be included in this multiplier effect? Well, I think, look, we, we, we've gone to the department every year um, to
8: each um, minister, and uh, again, this year it's from different have and through the roads and transportation SPC, we have put a request in through the office of the mayor to meet with Minister Eamon Ryan uh, to put this case to him but I I think the case now it hasn't been made in the past but I think now it has to be made that Cork should be and, and, and has to have this multiplier of annual allocation funding because otherwise we are going to have no roads in, in the next 20 part years because they're just going to crumble away to nothing and when you see um, and I think you pointed out this morning in your intro when you travel the length and breadth of the country we see other local authorities yeah. which, which are far superior roads in Cork County that's yeah and that certainly
3: that did, that came to light with people staycationing and people you know hadn't traveled so far outside of their county before and the number of calls last summer the summer before we kept getting from people making that point saying what is wrong with our roads and and then it's it's unfair because people start blaming the council why aren't they doing their work and your hands are tied because you don't physically have the cash in which to spend
8: we don't and like every Year, um, the, whatever money we get, be it uh, fifty million or sixty-five million, that money is always spent. No money for roads ever goes back to the department. We're always actually looking for more. Some years we do get more, but but last year we spent our entire budget plus more. Um, so therefore, we we can do the work if we have the money to do it, and it, it has to go back to the the system that the department are using. Even though it, it they're saying it's equal across the board, it's when they're putting in these multiplier effects
3: that isn't the, yeah. It is definitely is, and And I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but we know the tender costs are uh, rising. Does that mean less work will be done for the funds available? It it does, unfortunately, Patricia. uh, Last year, um, costs went
8: up by ten percent, and indications that there's another five percent increase on the way. So all the materials are going to cost uh, fifteen percent more uh, than they did two years ago. So therefore, you're getting um, less work done for the same money. So unfortunately, this. Here if, if, if the trend goes the way it is.
0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
8: We'll probably end up on the spending more money, but seeing less work being done on the ground, which is not what the public wants to see.
3: Would you also worry about labour shortages? Just...
8: Uh, yes, that is becoming a new problem. and you put your cost increase against skilled labour, that's cause a, a double barrel in the sense that it is going to affect people and we, we all need our roads. No matter where we work or live, we need our roads to commute and to keep a business going, to keep a home going. And if 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 wear and tear of a car is going to cost and the cost of living as you know is low, it's going through the roof. That now, on top of the uh, bad roads and more repairs to cars, it it it's bad news for the general public out there who don't have money to be spending. Really, really on repairs for cars, which they
3: shouldn't have to. Yeah, it just seems it just seems very it seems very unfair. So, a ple- so you're pleading now to the Minister for Transport, Eamon Ryan, to try and come up with some additional funding for this year.
8: We have we, gone hand-in-hand hand to the Minister every year. I, I do believe our, our representations, our delegations, I should say, to the Minister and to the Department over the last five, five, or, five or six years are paying dividends because we, we are seeing an increase every year, albeit small, but so it's, it, it's what we need to aim for, like $279 million. That's what, what the shortfall has been to Cork County Road. That needs to be addressed. In, in obviously won't be done this year or next year, but say over the next ten years or fifteen years or twenty years, that the multiplier effect can be built in and uh, allow Cork County Council to um, to maintain the roads and just bring the roads up to an acceptable standard. That's all we're asking for. We're not looking for roads Royce roads. We need roads that are just uh, acceptable to, to our public out there. So we are waiting to get confirmation of a date to meet with the minister, and we will be putting that message very strong to him. My concern is that the department minister is is very much into um, active travel, which is bike lanes and yeah, bus lanes. And that, yeah, yeah. that that's all very well, but that's no good to the roads in West Cork or North Cork, where we don't have public transport, or where we can't we can't have uh, cycleways or bus lanes. So therefore, we can't access that kind of money. And when the minister did announce his, his plan for the the term of government his main focus was public transport, greenways and cycleways and busways. And I don't think it's going to deviate from that, but we have to try on behalf of the public of, of Cork to go and meet with the Minister and plead with the Minister. We need more money. If we get more money, we can spend the money and we can improve our roads around the county.
3: Yeah, particularly in very rural areas where you've no other choice. Your car isn't a luxury. It's a necessity. We leave it there, okay. Declan. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is Councillor Declan Hurley, who is the chair of the council's Road and Transport Committee. 0818103103
1: Court Today on C103. With John
4: Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie
3: Let's catch up with the Citizens Information Centre. Today I'm joined by Karen Crowley, who is Information Officer with South Munster Citizens Information Centre, which is based in uh, Mallow, and uh, today's topic for discussion is public holidays, annual leave, and parental leave. Good morning, to you, Karen. Good morning. Uh, and you're, you're welcome to the program. And firstly, we had a listener last week who was in a bit of a pickle, and we weren't able to sort out the what the information she was looking for. So we directed her to Citizen Information, and she got back onto us and said you were outstanding. I don't know which Citizen Information Centre she used, but you were you were spot on and helped her. So thank you. You, do, you really oh. do amazing work. But well, I that's suppose lovely here. Uh, and let's just start with that. You're still operating over the phone, even though you do see people by appointment.
10: Yeah, look, there is light at the end of the tunnel. The centres across the Cork region are beginning to open up a little bit more to callers. But we would ask that people ring us first, as it's not always possible at present to just walk into every centre. If someone needs a face-to-face appointment, we'll certainly try to facilitate it currently the offices in Bantry for Moy Malla and Yael are set up to meet people by appointment and we are doing our best to facilitate this
3: but l- 9 out of 10 times the query can, can be dealt with over the phone can't it, can't it? Well, probably not uh, 9 out of 10 but in a lot of cases it can be dealt you know with what? over the phone
10: absolutely it can yeah. e- even those that, that are looking for forms to be filled what I would do is I would say look you have the form in front of you I have the form here beside me yeah. let's go through do the, the phone. Well
3: done, well, done. Yeah, well and done it
10: really works it's something we wouldn't have done in the past but it genuinely works
3: and you can Get to, you can get to more people as well by doing it, yeah, by doing it yeah, exactly that way, exactly. the comfort of people's homes. Now, there's been lots of talk uh, lately about public holidays, and this day next week we'll be heading into a very short uh, working week. Can you just clarify the current situation to do with public holidays?
10: At the moment, we have nine public holidays in a year, but this year, or rather previously, we had nine. This year, we're getting an extra once off public holiday, and this is going to take place on Friday, the 18th of March, giving us an extra long St Patrick's. I suppose, holiday weekend. And then you're looking at next year, there will be a new annual public holiday in early February to mark St. Bridget's Day. The public holiday will be the first Monday in February, except where St. Bridget's Day happens to fall on a Friday, in which case that Friday, the 1st of February, will be the public holiday. Look, it's going to take a little bit of while, <laughs> really a while to get used to
3: it, but Yeah, but it just means, unlike St. Patrick's Day, where, like this year, it's a Thursday, the St. Bridget's one will always come around a weekend. You'll either have a long weekend starting on a Friday or a long weekend with the Monday off. Yeah, absolutely.
10: and yeah. I think it's a great thing. It's a great move. It's going to bring us more in line with, with the rest of Europe.
3: Now, the question we get every single year, is Good Friday a bank holiday, a public holiday, or what is it?
10: I know, we get the same thing. Yeah. But we, will, we won't confuse it by saying it's bank holiday and not a public holiday. We'll just say it's not a public holiday. Okay. So while some schools and businesses close on that day, nobody has an automatic entitlement to time off work on the day.
3: OK. All right. And then talk to me about your entitlements to get paid for the public holidays, the nine days with the extra one this year and the 10 days from next year. What are the our entitlements?
10: Well, most employees are entitled to paid leave on public holidays. There's an exception, we'll say, for certain part-time employees. But if you qualify for public holiday benefit, you're entitled to one of the following. And this is where confusion can happen. So you're entitled to a paid day off on the public holiday or an additional day of annual leave or an additional day's pay or a paid day off within a month of the public holiday. If that's not in your contract of employment, your employer should let you know at least 14 days before the public holiday which, which one of the previous four actually applies to you. And if he hasn't told you or she hasn't told you, ask.
3: Yeah. Don't forget to ask. Now, some people work part-time. Do they get paid time off?
10: They do. You're entitled to a day's pay for the public holiday if you meet both of these conditions. So if you've worked for your employer at least 40 hours in the previous five weeks and public holiday falls on a day you normally work, then you're going to benefit for a full day. So, actually, that's, that works out very well. for Part-time workers will say that work on a Monday and a lot of our bank holidays are on a Monday. But if you are required to work that day, you are entitled to an additional
3: day's pay. Okay. Now, I had a, one of my best friends was a hairdresser and she's to always bemoan that bank holidays were always on a Monday. And for yeah. a lot of people, they have to work on the particular public holiday or bank holiday. What happens if you work on the day?
10: Well, if you normally work on the day, then you're required to... Your employer is required to give you an additional day's pay on top of it.
3: Oh, so well, sorry. I mean, I meant if you don't normally work on the day, Oh, if you don't
10: work. Yes, yeah, sorry. It. Yeah. Well, in that no, you're okay. In that case, you're going to get one fifth of your weekly pay. So even if you never rostered to work on a public holiday, you're entitled to one-fifth of your weekly pay as compensation for the public holiday. Okay, you don't
3: lose out. You don't lose you out. You don't lose out. I suppose yeah. a good
10: example would be, the like, I'm a half-time worker. So I benefit from the Monday bank holiday, but every now and again there's a bank holiday on a Friday. It's rare, but it does happen. And in that case, with ourselves, our agreement is we get time off in lieu pro rata, So I do seven-hour days. So my employers will give me an extra three and a half hours of leave, um, to make up for it. And you'll find that across the board as well that you'll either be compensated pro rata or you'll get time off. So you do not lose out.
3: Okay, and particularly now with St Patrick's Day and with Christmas, the public holiday can fall at a weekend. What happens there then?
10: Well, if it falls on the weekend, you're still entitled to benefit from it. However, you don't have any automatic legal entitlement to have the next working day off, and that caused a little bit of confusion this year. But your employer should let you know at least 14 days beforehand how it's going to work for you.
3: If you're on sick leave around a public holiday?
10: For full-time workers, if you're on sick leave during the holiday, you're entitled to benefit from the public holiday you missed. And if you're a part-time and on sick leave during the holiday, you're entitled to benefit for the public holiday. Once you've worked for the employer, at least 40 hours in the previous five week period, the exception to this, I suppose, would be where you're off work due to illness or occupational injury for more than six months or more than a year in the case of occupational injury. But generally you do benefit.
3: If you're out on maternity leave or paternal leave, what happens? Well, you're entitled
10: to leave for any public holidays that occur while you're on, I suppose, what we would term protective leave. So that would be maternity leave, parental, paternity, adoptive or parents leave. So you are, they will always continue to accrue once you're on what we would
3: say is protected leave. And another one that causes, you hear people discuss annual leave and how much holiday, how much annual leave and holiday pay a person is actually entitled to.
10: Yeah, if it's not laid out in your contract of employment, so your annual leave entitlement is going to depend on how much time you've worked in any given leave year. Now, there are three ways to calculate your annual leave, and you can use whichever method gives you the greater leave time. I'm not going to go into them. Go onto our website, citizensinformation.e. They're all on there. Now, when you're calculating your holiday entitlement, your employer should include all the hours you worked, including time spent on your annual leave, maternity leave, parental leave, force majeure, um, and so on and if you've worked for at least eight months you are entitled to an unbroken period of two weeks annual leave so this means you're going to get two weeks off in a row
3: okay and some businesses will try and say no you can't have two weeks off but it's there in the it's there in law it is there yeah, in law, it's there in and law. And
10: look they all try it I, well they don't all try it but, but every and then it'll, it'll pop up yeah if, you know they're particularly busy but yeah you do have the right if you're there more than eight months
3: and then how should holiday pay be paid that should always
10: be paid in advance at your normal weekly rate.
3: And part-time employees and holiday pay? Generally, annually
10: for part-time workers, it's calculated at 8% of your hours worked up to a maximum of 20 working days. So if you want to, to work it out, you know, just take your hours and per week and multiply it by 8% 100%. and that's going to give you the amount of your
3: build-up. And just to complicate things, what if you've got somebody who works some of the year part-time and then maybe at busy times of the year they go full-time?
10: And and this does happen. So if you're going to work full-time for some months and part-time for the rest, you should calculate the leave separately. So calculate your leave for the full-time period and calculate for the part-time and that'll give you your overall leave then for the year.
3: Now, uh, an issue that certainly came up during the pandemic was employers' forcing is probably a strong word but it was forcing but asking employees to take their annual leave I know a lot of companies were saying you had to take a third of their annual leave by the 1st of June of last year because obviously they didn't want everybody storing up the, the leave until the end can they do that?
10: I suppose the the answer is yes they can now usually employees can ask to take annual leave at specific times your employer can accept or refuse that request so I suppose ultimately the employer decides when annual leave may be taken, but it is subject to a number of conditions. So the employer must take into account your family responsibilities as well as the available opportunities for rest and recreation. And then we've also discussed your annual leave with you at least one month before you were due to take the leave.
3: Yeah, most, most employers, I think, are reasonable enough. I think it's only if it's a very, you know, you just if it's a reasonable request, I think you will get it. But then yeah. at the end of the working year, if you haven't taken all of your holidays, and again, this would have come up during the pandemic with people not going away on their traditional holidays, can you carry it over to the following year?
10: It should be taken, I suppose, within the leave year and it depends on the employer after that. So you can agree to take your annual leave within six months of the relevant leave year and a further carrying over would have to be with the employer's consent but really, again, it's up to the employer. Legislation allows for it to be taken within the leave year. Anything outside of that, I suppose, you just have to go ask and you may or you may not get it.
3: It's a goodwill gesture, I suppose, on behalf it of is, the yeah, uh, employer. Yeah. Then you look forward to your annual leave uh, so much and then you go and have this, and you get sick. What happens if you get sick while you're on annual leave?
10: Oh, yeah, and that's happened to us all at some yeah. stage. So if you get sick while you're on annual leave, you should get a medical cert from your GP to cover the days you're sick. Give it to your employer as soon as you return to work. This way the sick days won't count as annual leave and you can take your annual leave at a later date.
3: And if somebody is off sick, say for a longer period of time, what happens to a person's annual leave while they're out sick?
10: Their legal entitlement for annual leave continues to build up when you're on sick leave as long as you have a medical certificate.
3: And would that be this, could people carry over their holidays if they were on long-term sick leave?
10: If they're on long-term sick leave and they can't take their annual leave due to illness, you can actually carry it over for up to 15 months after the end of the year it was earned. And also, just add in, if you leave your job within these 15 months, you should get payment instead of the leave you did not take due to the illness.
3: And then there's, there's other um, type of leave which, which should be counted in when, when you're looking at your annual leave.
10: Yeah, absolutely. So, in general, you're treated as being in employment while you're on maternity leave, any form of it, adoptive leave, again, any form, paternity leave, parental leave, parents' leave, I'm, I know my tongue, tongue nearly gets caught in the mud, and health and safety leave. And so this means that you can continue to build up your entitlement to annual leave, leave as if you were in employment. And also, if you go out on carers' leave, you're entitled to annual leave, for the first 13 weeks of oh, that so it will okay. continue to accrue during that as well
3: and then if you leave
10: your job if you leave your job without taking all of the leave that you're entitled to your employer must pay you for the days that you have not taken
3: and is that the same if you were laid off
10: no if, you do, if, if you're laid off and this would have come up during the pandemic you don't build up ah. annual leave during layoff
3: okay you mentioned all the different leaves uh, there probably one of the newer ones is parental leave
10: yeah, parental leave lets parents to take unpaid leave from work to spend time looking after their children and you can take up to 26 weeks parental leave for each eligible child before their 12th birthday. Generally, you must have been working for your employer for a year before you're entitled to parental leave.
3: And who can get parental leave?
10: Well, you must meet certain criteria. So you must be a relevant parent. So that means you're either a parent, adoptive parent, someone acting in local parentis. Now, you must also take the leave before your child's 12th birthday or if the child has a disability or a long-term illness, that can actually be extended until their 16th birthday. And I suppose a, a good way of indicating whether you'd qualify for um, extending it out to 16 is, are you in receipt or is the child in receipt for domiciliary care allowance? Mm-hmm. Now, you you must give at least six weeks' notice to your employer. And you must take the leave in either one continuous period or in blocks of at least six weeks, unless the employer agrees to let you
3: take it differently. And what if I want to spread out my my parental leave?
10: Well, you can break the parental leave into working days or hours or a combination of both if your employer agrees to this. So, for example, you can ask to take one day of parental leave a week until the entire 26 week allowance is used up. And if you have more than one child, parental leave is limited to 26 weeks in any 12-month period. It can be longer if the employer agrees. But again, you must get consent of the employer for yeah. this.
3: Again, it's up to the employer. It's the goodwill of the employer. I've heard of a lot of people doing that. They, take, they might only work a four-day uh, working yeah. week because they take one day as the uh, parental leave. Uh, if someone is lucky enough to have twins or triplets, does it change?
10: They can, if you have twins or triplets, you can take more than the 26 weeks of parental leave in a given year, yes.
3: And badly needed as well. And then if a person works part-time?
10: If you're working part-time, the entitlement to parental leave is reduced on a pro-rata basis. So that would mean if you work 50% of the normal working week, you can take
3: 13 full working weeks worth of parental leave just so just have, have the 26 weeks yes, Yeah. Yes. and what about um, a couple together? Can the unpaid leave be shared with a partner?
10: Yeah, this does come up actually from time to time. So both parents actually have equal separate entitlement oh. to parental leave so you're both entitled to 26 weeks but if you both work for the same employer and the employer agrees you can actually transfer 14 weeks of your parental leave entitlement to the other parent which can come in quite handy. Um, Now, I don't know how many would actually work with the same employer, but it does happen Mm. and it is something that can be done.
3: You hear lots of romances start at the workplace. You do. (laughs) Uh, And then if somebody changes jobs before taking all the leave?
10: If you change your job and you've used part of your leave allowance, you can use the remainder after one year's employment with your new employer once your child is still under twelve.
3: Okay, we've gone through a lot of information there, as we do every month when when we're chatting with you. If somebody has a specific question over something that we've just mentioned this morning, contact your good selves.
10: Oh, absolutely. If you want any more information, just give us a call. Call your local um, Citizens Information Centre and we'll discuss your circumstances and go through all the different options open to you. at the end of the day, everybody decides what's best for themselves, but hopefully with our help, you'll make your decision based on, on all the information you need. You can ring us here in Mallow on zero eight one eight zero seven eight thousand, or if you're down in West Cork, they're on zero eight one eight zero seven eighty three ninety. And I would also say to log on to our website, citizensinformation.ie. It's an absolutely fantastic resource. For further information, and you'll also get the contact details for your local centre there. Yeah, well.
3: and it's always updated very quickly. I'm always amazed. I, I don't know who runs your website for you, but they're fabulous! Aren't they're, you? they're unreal. As soon as anything changes from a government point of view, they're onto it straight away.
10: Well oh, listen, they even impressed me because I get notifications every now and again and it could be like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, <laughs> so God, yeah. They're actually still working.
3: They, they, they really are uh, incredible. But really, a lot of what we've been discussing today has to do with communication as well and keeping good lines of communication going between an employer and an employee, isn't it? I mean, yeah, a lot of it's absolutely. goodwill as well.
10: Yeah, yeah. Just keep everything open and just, you know, don't be afraid to ask. Because that's when I think things can can build up and there can be miscommunication and it goes wrong. Just lay it all out there. If you need something, ask for it. And generally, if an, empl- if an employer can oblige, they will.
3: And particularly at the moment because people are trying to retain uh, staff and a lot of the misinformation is hearsay I heard from somebody else that that's what I was meant to get and a lot of it is just, just hearsay get the correct information pleasure as always Karen thank you for that
7: thank and, you very uh, much. thanks
3: a million and keep doing the great work that uh, all the guys and gals do at our Citizens Information Centre that's Karen Crowley Information Officer with South Munster Citizens Information based out of Mallow 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls we are looking for your questions for Annalise Dracena our nutritional therapist by the way if you have a question for Annalise get it in because she will join us in the next hour you can text her WhatsApp to 0862-103-103 Cork Today
1: on C103 With
3: Sean Cusack Insurance's
4: sale Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group Want great advice? You know who to talk to Cmig.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay
3: Phone and text lines are currently closed talking of Annalise and her nutritional uh, slot, I think nearly every week we'll probably get at least one if not more questions to do with menopause or perimenopause and tomorrow is International Women's Day and we were in the office trying to decide what would we do for International Women's Day and I was thinking maybe we would do something on women's health and what a better topic to address than the whole topic of perimenopause and the menopause itself so we have an expert joining us tomorrow for International Women's Day and we'll have a general discussion around the menopause and but obviously we'll take questions we'll feed any, any questions that listeners may have about perimenopause our menopause and we'll do that tomorrow on the programme but in the meantime if you have a question for Annalise feel free to get that into us uh, please. Okay some of your texts and comments coming into the programme this morning. Mary says morning to you Patricia all at C103. I was in a cafe at the weekend and I couldn't believe what I saw. A group of young people boys and girls came into the cafe. The best of it though three of them had e-bicycles and they were driving them and parked them in the restaurant they brought the bicycles in were they e-scooters I wonder anyway nobody told them to get out and then to add insult to injury they brought their own chips in with them chips that they bought to take away and then came in and sat at the cafe really surprised to hear that uh, Mary a very unusual sight uh, indeed it's a wonder that they weren't asked to leave because normally most restaurants will have a thing saying you can only consume food purchased on the premises for very obvious reasons That's a kind of an an unwritten law, I would say, in all uh, cafes. Thank you for your text. Alan says, hi Patricia, I watched a documentary recently with Michael Palin when he spent time in North Korea. If you see the way of life that the people live under, the regime there, you'll see this is exactly what... President Putin wants for Russia. They've no internet. They've no foreign TV coverage. They've nobody broadcasting from outside to tell them what's going on outside and what's happening in the world. None of any kind. The people are like zombies doing exactly what they are thought, told says Alanya yeah, and they live under incredible fear and you can already see sort of some of that going on in Russia with the fact that they've closed down any independent and even some independent slash state broadcasters who were talking against the line that the Kremlin was using because they still refuse to say it's a war They, you know it's a military operation is what they're doing and any kind of information going against the Kremlin line gets closed down very very quickly so yeah you certainly can see that they're heading in that direction and nobody wants to live that way. That's why I think the people of Russia who have come out, very bravely gone out to protest because you're not allowed to protest, you're not allowed to say anything against the military operations that are going on in the Ukraine you get arrested and was it like 4,500 people were arrested at the weekend. There was 59 different protests in, in 59 different uh, cities so they're trying, they really are trying but yet, yeah, does he want them to be all like the people in North Korea and God help the poor people in a North Korea. Thank Thank you for your text, uh, Alan. I must keep a lookout for that documentary because I haven't seen it myself. Hi, Patricia. Willie here. Hi, Willie. You. I was. I was talking about the electricity allowance. Now, the electricity allowance. This is the extra, the credit that the government is giving to every single household, try to offset the high cost of electricity. And it equates to about two. Well, it equates to two hundred euro. And as we heard this morning, President Michael D. Higgins has now signed it into law and people will start from April onwards whatever your next bill is you'll start seeing a credit of 172 I think euro the reason it's 200 is some of it is VAT but that'll start appearing on your bills Winnie wants to know could you tell me please the electricity allowance we are getting could that be used as a home heating oil top up instead I've recently moved apartments and I'm wondering will I get it at the new uh, apartment well you will absolutely you'll get it at the new apartment because uh, every single one of those payments is being made to anyone who has electricity supply will be getting the 200 euro so you know you've moved you've gone you've, you've got a new bill with a new at a new apartment so you will get it and no it's an, it's an electricity credit only now I know there would be a lot of people who would say they'd love to, to use it from home heating oil but it's, it's a credit against your electricity so no it can't be transferred over to home heating oil I suppose the argument could be you won't be spending that 200 euro on the electricity. So the money that would have gone towards electricity bill, you could use that instead to do a top up of your home uh, heating oil. And if you don't use it all up, I mean, if you've only recently moved to the apartment and your electricity bill obviously therefore will be smaller. It does get carried over. You're not going to lose the money. They'll put the credit onto your account so you can use it for future bills uh, as well. Uh, Hi Patricia are the 30 plus ministers in this country still going away for St. Patrick's Day while there is a war raging in Europe they surely can't go away on luxury trips in the middle of this situation it would be an insult I feel to the Ukrainian people living here says Anne well those St. Patrick's Day parades uh, those St. Patrick's Day trips are definitely still going ahead I did read in the papers today that uh, ministers say that they'll use the St. Patrick's Day trips abroad this month to emphasise the need for global global solidarity with the Ukrainian people. So you can be guaranteed that on every one of those trips, the situation in Ukraine will be mentioned. But talking of St. Patrick's Day, I also read in the papers today we've had two years where we didn't have St. Patrick's Day parades. There was a lot of virtual parades that went on. So there's a lot of work and prep going into St. Patrick's Day parades all over the country. I heard at the weekend, though, that some St. Patrick's Day parades won't go ahead due, A, to lack of volunteers and also the insurance issue. Many of the St. Patrick's Day parade committees weren't able to fundraise. They fundraise because they have to have insurance, public liability insurance. So some St. Patrick's Day, which is sad to hear, won't be going ahead but a lot of them uh, will be going ahead. So there's lots of plans in place and obviously hotels are looking forward to a bit of a bounce over the St. Patrick's weekend and because it extends now from Friday because Thursday and Friday will both be public holidays so it's kind of a four day off A lot of people are looking forward to Lo and behold, I read in the papers today that some city hotels are charging very high prices and many of them now have limited availability which means people are paying the prices. Dublin and Galway are coming out as the most in-demand counties for tourists looking to celebrate the St Patrick's weekend with the cheapest rooms going for three to €400 Euro per night. And the Irish Independent today gives some examples for two people to stay at Jury's Inn on Chrysler's Church in Dublin for March 17th and 18th so two nights for two people it'll set you back 1,080 euro that standard bed and I'm assuming breakfast is in for that for the same dates um, the Hilton in Kilmainen. Kilmaine will cost you nine hundred twenty nine uh, euro, and the Maldron Hotel on Parnell Street in Dublin eight hundred and twenty six euro for the two nights. Prices are similar in Galway City for the same uh, dates. For the Galmont Hotel, eight hundred and forty five, and Flannerys Hotel in Galway, if you want to stay for the eighteenth and seventeenth uh, and eighteenth, it'll cost you nine hundred and eight euro. And the Western City Point Apartments in Galway they're quoting two thousand eight hundred euro for a three bedded apartment with only one currently available so they are booking out fast and accommodation glad to report this here with us in Cork City and in Belfast City is almost half the price of a stay in Dublin and Galway for example the Galway International Hotel are charging 428 euro for the same dates for two people for two nights and the Dean Hotel is at 467 if you want to go north to Belfast the jury's in They are offering the two nights for 453 and the Crown Plaza at 381. So it looks like some of the hotels in Dublin and Galway, and they'll probably say that's due to demand because Fault Ireland are saying that it expects... Dublin City to be busy for St Patrick's Day weekend and they are launching, they've got a five day festival uh, for St Patrick's Day in uh, Dublin, the Fault Ireland. So, wonderful to see the return of the St Patrick's Day festival in uh, Dublin and festivals like St Patrick's Day they say will be critical as we work through welcoming international visitors back and obviously this is really the start of the recovery of the tourism uh, sector. It's also hoped across hospitality and the retail sector that that St. Patrick's weekend will be the start of the international tourists visiting Ireland again but my fear there is if we start to inflate the prices and if we really start to put the prices up you're going to have visitors who will come from overseas saying we'll never go back again and we we're already deemed a very expensive place to stay and, and I accept and I know it's been really hard on hospitality but I don't think that they can expect to suddenly make back all of their losses and to certainly do it straight away by increasing Prices like that, and of course, the knock on as well. It'll affect home tourists, people who want to do a staycation, people who might want to get away for a weekend. So, you really do need to shop around and see if you can find value. But it does look like some of the hotels have really, really put up their prices for those two nights over St. Patrick's Day, which is a real, real shame. 0818 103, 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862103103. The C103
1: Cork Diary with Cork
4: County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie.
3: Dollar Rail Active Retirement, they're holding their AGM this afternoon. Please note the meeting on the 28th of March for the end of the month has been cancelled. So the meeting today will be in the Presentation Pastoral Centre at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Please note that subscriptions are due. Covid restrictions will still be in place. There is a drive in Bingo in Dollary Creamery Yard that's happening next Friday night at um, 8 and a table quiz in aid of the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day that'll be held in Albert Lynch's bar in Mallow. It's happening tomorrow night, Tuesday. They've got a half eight start, and they're looking for tables of four, please, for forty euro. And I did mention it's International Women's Day tomorrow, and the Mallow Community Health Project are collaborating with the TNC, that's Travellers of North Cork, and Yana, the North Cork Domestic Violence Project, to celebrate International Women's Day. They're holding a movie night tomorrow night half past seven in the Mercy Centre in Mallow and they're showing the wonderful Mamma Mia with tickets on sale for five uh, euro they must be pre-booked Margarito Driscoll as you contacted 022 71035 or Pauline in La at 087 433 5047 and Ballin Community Development Association Uh, will open the Marion Hall tomorrow and again on Thursday 7 until half past 8 and again next Saturday half 2 to 4 and it's to facilitate collection of items for their emergency Ukrainian appeal. In particular they're appealing for blankets, sleeping bags and toiletries.
1: Court today on C103
4: with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie This
3: is the Court Today replay on C103. And just to let people know because we've had a couple of calls in about this about people inquiring about the payment date for the extra fuel allowance lump sum which is €125 Euro. we were told we looked into this last week and we were told it was going to be the beginning of March so people were wondering was it going to get paid out last uh, week I've just a confirmation that the once off payment of €125 Euro, uh, will be issued to eligible recipients in the week beginning March 14th so it'll be next week with your payment your, if it's a social welfare payment you receive they reckon about 390,000 people who claim fuel allowance will receive this additional. It's a one off additional payment of 125 euro so for next week the payment, one-off payment from the week beginning March the 14th. On cycling, Liam in Carrick says, I've seen cyclists cycling around the Dunkettle roundabout. How safe is that? Are cyclists allowed on a roundabout like Dunkettle? I don't know. Is there any signs of, because I know on motorways they're not, as clearly as you go on to motorway, it says cyclists are not. I don't know if they're allowed on, on, roundabouts. That's a busy roundabout. You'd be taking your life in your own hands, cycling around that for sure. They're very, very brave. A couple of people on about the rising cost of fuel, including Martin in Enniskine, who says prices went up 12 cent a litre in the past week. Are the government going to do anything about it? Well, somebody else says, uh, Patricia, I have to admire the service stations in Liscarroll and Ballyhay. They ha- have not risen their prices like so many others have. Thank God for those in our communities they should be supported and, and respected and that goes back to the need to shop around if you pass a petrol station and you need to keep an eye on how much petrol and diesel prices are and if you pass the service station and you need to fill then go to whoever is offering you the cheapest at the time remember they're all independent all of the retailers even though it could be the very same petrol company but they're all independent operators and they must sell what they buy it in at and anyone who owns the garage will tell you they make very little from every litre of petrol. They'll make more from you buying a cup of coffee than they will from you doing a fill of uh, petrol and the cost of diesel people are right everybody's talking about it it soared in uh, recent weeks there's one online forum it's website pumps.ie and that's where people from around the country can log in and say if they've just bought petrol how much a- it was they were suggesting at the weekend that one service station here in Cork that petrol prices hit over one ninety litre it was at one ninety six point nine according to one person who bought petrol in uh, Cork. In another part of Cork, it was 194.9 in Dublin. That was, this was the price of premium petrol. This happened last week. It already went over the two euro mark. It only lasted a few days. And then obviously they sold out and they bought in their next load. And that was uh, slightly uh, cheaper than that. Waterford has seen high increases, 193.9, according to website pumps.ie. And of course, we all know the costs have been soaring on a global scale in recent weeks and the real impact is being felt in people's pockets as the weeks progress. There was an analysis done by the AA in mid-February that we spoke about on the, uh, the programme and that put the average cost of a litre of petrol, this was in mid-February about two weeks ago at 177.3 and for diesel 167.9 it's well gone up uh, since then. I saw Anna, Anna Cullen of the AA say they are predicting that petrol will reach two euro a litre because she said it's already up to the one hundred eighty mark already they accept the AA that it's very worrying. If you, the cost of filling your car was €100 per tank that will work out at nearly 2500 for the average motorist for the year. If you're looking at year on year it means about a €600 increase over last uh, year and AA says that every 10 cent increase at the pump adds €120 to the annual running cost of your car. Now there are a few for Ireland. This is a piece I'm reading from Steve Neville in The Examiner today. Uh, Fuel a statement from Fuels for Ireland they represent all of the fuel suppliers they say that the members have certainty of supply for the months ahead they are completely confident that the adequate supplies will continue to be provided to meet normal buying patterns and that's just a fear that we will run out of oil the Irish Road Haulage Association they've previously written to the government seeking assurance about the certainty of supply in the months ahead but uh, Fuels of Ireland say look we are okay but the big one is the cost uh, of it but people are saying well, what are the government going to do? And remember, for every litre of petrol or diesel we buy, 60% of it goes to the government by way of taxation. You know, the, we mightn't be able to do anything about the cost of a barrel of oil on the world market, but certainly the government can come in and try to do something to help us out. Now, I did say mention this on the programme last Friday that Leo Varadkar had said the government will make an intervention on fuel prices, but it's trying to pin them down on when they're going to do it. And by, by, doing, by saying an intervention, on fuel prices what he means is that they'll try and reduce some of the that I don't know if they're going to reduce the, the carbon tax bearing in mind that we've another carbon tax increase due on the 1st of May which will just up the price even further the thonister says accepts that the consumers need further help with the cost of uh, living. And he says they will make an intervention sometime before the October budget. I just don't know if people can wait until the October budget. It has to come way before the October budget. I mean, last Friday, crude oil reached its highest since 2014 on the world market and the price of European gas for delivery this summer also hit a a record high. So the government, they're aware of it. They're obviously hearing it from all of their own ministers and backbenchers and every single TD in the country, I imagine, if they're engaging with any of their constituents, are hearing about everybody talking about the high price it is when you go to fill up. I needed to fill up yesterday uh, my car. And I I mean, I don't do a lot of travelling, but I decided because I'd heard the other way you're hearing anecdotally that petrol and diesel was going to rise by 10 cent in the next week. And I said, oh, let's see, I'll, I'll fill up. I had about a half a tank and so I needed to put a half a tank in and it was 50 euro which means you know for me now to fill my car it's never been near 100 euro to uh, fill my car so there's certainly you do notice when you get a big chunk like that and I filled it up deliberately just to see what it would, would come out at so it was 50 euro and that was just for a half tank of uh, diesel so they are aware of it the government are aware of it and the Thornish days saying yes they will do something there will be some intervention on fuel prices before the October budget and all week hope and wish for is that that will be sooner rather than uh, later Anne says petrol 194 a litre and diesel 196 a litre in her uh, area Dan in Limerick says, Patricia, how are petrol stations allowed to up their prices every day when they may well have got their petrol deliz- delivered weeks ago at much lower rates? I feel they're operating a cartel and they're fixing their sales. It should be illegal, says uh, Dan in uh, Limerick. Well, I don't know there's any cartel or price fixing going on. The reason we know that that isn't happening is if you can shop around, if you drive around, you will see prices at a diff. you'll, you'll see them at all different prices. It's to, it's to get to know what the price of, the litre is of either diesel or petrol. Know what it is on that any particular day, and then keep a lookout when you are uh, driving around. 0818 103, 103 Text or WhatsApp oh eight six two. One o
1: three, one o three.
4: Cork today on C one o three with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk; they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Nutritional advice on C one o three with SoMega. Ireland's purest range of health supplements to get you through winter. Better nutrition, better health with Somiga, a West Cork company. Go Solmiga.com.
3: And Annelise Dressel of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic uh, joins us for our weekly nutritional slot. Good morning to Anneliese. Good morning Patricia. And you are very welcome. Let me get straight into uh, questions. A listener has been diagnosed with a vertigo. wants to know how long can it last for and would you have any remedies please? So
9: vertigo can be as a number of uh, from a number of different reasons, Patricia. Um, and the one that's the easiest to manage is where there's been inflammation of the inner ear um, that's affecting the canals responsible for your balance caused by the viral infection because you can treat viral infection and you can su- pro- provide antiviral support. So this is probably most likely this listener's problem, she's probably developed it after catching some kind of a virus. So the olive leaf extract is wonderful. Um, There used to be a great supplement that was on the market no longer for vertigo and tinnitus. It was um, a hearing support one. And they had in there um, a bacteria called um, Lactobacillus salivarius. So I think another brand that have that are the BioCult. This is the particular bacteria that we get in our mouth and in our ear canal and nasal passages. Very good for the health of the of the inner ear so that's another one you could try and the other thing as well is rosmarinic acid that you get from rosemary so if you've got rosemary growing in your garden you can make a rosemary tea of it or you could buy a rosemary essential oil in the um health shop and you could put a few drops into some warm water um and especially if you inhale it as well those compounds will still get up in through the nasal passage and in in around the head that way as well um, also make sure that you've got plenty of vitamin D, so be taking at least a thousand units a day, and hopefully that would do it. It, it will last depending on very, uh, you know, people's individual ability to kind of shake the virus, Patricia, and for some people the inflammation can remain. So I think normally the doctor would prescribe, um the anti-nausea drug, the anti-sickness sea sickness drug mm. so you could try that and then for some people unfortunately it is a result of hearing damage and i think with that you just have to do balance retraining which you know if you go online and google balance retraining for vertigo uh, that that's very helpful for that
3: okay this is probably a hard one to answer a question for um annalise uh, please my daughter has a rash it's red and patchy Uh, It can break out anywhere in her body. Any help will be much appreciated. That could be a host of different things, couldn't it?
9: Could be a few different things. I suppose it's probably most likely to be some kind of eczema, um, which is kind of red and can be very patchy. Gets itchy as well and a bit can be... um, um, you know, it can be itchy and you can break the skin and it can kind of be pussy then. If it's plaquey, so if it sort of kind of builds on and there's kind of lots of cells stacked up on each other, that's more likely to be psoriasis, which is also um, red and patchy around the body. Um, so most likely to be either one of the two of those things. And generally with eczema and psoriasis, there is an immune driver Behind both of them, and in my experience, most people with either of those will have food intolerances. So, have a look at the foods that are being eaten. When I do the tests here, Patricia, the food intolerance blood tests, the most common things that come up are egg is number one, egg white. Number two is probably dairy. Barley is very common. Pea and peanuts are common. Wheat and gluten. Common, but not as common. But if you wanted to look at those kind of foods and say where they see where they're contributing, and then to manage the health of the skin, always the omega three fats are very good because they're hard to get from your diet. So try and get a good quality omega three fish oil, and then rub on some um, sort of healing lotion. And the best thing ones are the ones without chemicals. So Doctor Claire, she does a, a lovely anti itch cream, which is very very soothing. To put on in patches. Um, the other one that's good as well as the Bioskin, they do a, a derma spray. That's great if the pat, you know, if the patches are larger because it'll re, it'll be able to you'll be able to apply it to a larger area. So they do a spray, derma spray, and they also do a cream called Zeoderm. So you could try those.
3: People still recovering from COVID, including Mary, Annalise. Please, could you recommend a tonic for recovering from COVID without iron though? Because I can't tolerate iron, says Mary.
9: So I think probably in that, the, the Revive Active would be a good one for that. As far as I know, there's no iron in that. And also good a good multivitamin um, product is Oxalent, and most of those don't have any iron in there at all. Oxalent is um, just a general multivitamin, but they have um, been formulated to be well absorbed. But I think the Revive Active is great because it has a lot of energy supporting nutrients in there. And one of the things with COVID is that it does affect the cardiovascular system Um, and I think that there's there's probably some link there with the low energy so that's why the five active is particularly good because of those energy producing and cardiovascular protective nutrients that are in there and then always the olive leaf extract is a lovely natural antiviral and if you're really struggling you could take a a course of ginseng because that'll give you a bit of an immediate energy boost uh, but don't stay on the ginseng for too long because that's really only taking care of the symptom and not addressing the cause.
3: And that's becoming quite common now you hear of people who got COVID thankfully many of them had little or no symptoms but they're left with this extreme tiredness and this no energy.
9: Yeah it's very it's, it's very strange illness Patricia really because um Generally, I mean, I've seen lots of post-viral fatigue over the years, particularly after like Epstein bar viruses like glandular fever and that type of thing. It's very, very common. But this is the first time I'm seeing post-viral fatigue for people who have not been very ill. Yeah. Generally, it's only people who've been very ill with the virus. So there's a couple of things that we do recommend if it's ongoing, you know, so if it's lasting longer than two to four weeks. So NAC, N-acetylcysteine is wonderful for that. And also a product called Cercetin. Cercetin actually is like, um, it's a natural anti-inflammatory, but also a natural antihistamine. And there are some links, there's some similarities between what's called mast cell activation syndrome, which means that you're producing and releasing a lot of histamine and you're getting a lot of those symptoms. And um, um, COVID, there's quite some similar, similar um Symptoms between long COVID and that. So, uh, taking cursetin can help and N acetylcysteine, but I think that's only really if it's going on longer than four weeks. Other than that, the Revive, the olive leaf extract, or the Oxylent if you're looking for something iron free as well.
3: Okay, we're learning so much all the time really about COVID, isn't it? And that's the way it's going to be going forward.
9: Absolutely, and I think um, just in terms of, of long-term damage as well, Patricia, that's another thing that we'll only start to kind of see yeah, once yeah. we start seeing results of studies, yeah.
3: Okay, uh, Ballylander's listener says, question for Annalise, please. I have Sturgeon's syndrome and was wondering, is there any help available? It is so uncomfortable. I have to say, I've never heard of that one. It's the I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. It's the one with the dry mouth and dry eyes. Oh.
9: Um, Sjogren's. Sjogren's. Sorry, I'm pronouncing it right. wrong. Right. Yeah. Syndrome. Yeah.
3: That's. It. I, I googled um, it. And it's it's mainly it's a disorder of the immune system identified by the two most common symptoms: dry eyes and dry mouth.
9: Oh, absolutely. It what it does is the autoimmune system is attacking the mucus-producing cells of your body, so they're no longer able to produce, um, you know, those lovely moisturising um, saliva in the mouth, for example, or the the vitriol the the um, vitriol that is for the eye. So what you need to do is you need to do it on two fronts. One is actually to support kind of your immune system, autoimmune um, modulation. And the other side of it then is to put in things that are good for the health of the mucus-producing cells. So if you put in all of the things that those cells generally need in excess, even if they're not very good at doing their job, they'll have everything they need to do it properly. They won't be deficient in anything. So one of the best, and it does the two jobs here as well, is omega-3 fats have been shown to help. actually boost Treg cells, which are the ones that modulate your immune system from being too active and attacking itself, so get a very high dose one. Um, I love the Unicardio one, Patricia, because it has both the EPA and DHA, which are the two types of omega three. EPA is very good as the anti-inflammatory, immunomodulating one, and DHA is great for kind of the fatty tissue of the brain, the tissue of the mucous cells, and the tissues of the skin. So you get a good dose of both, but you need at least a thousand milligrams of EPA and DHA. Um, then the other thing that's brilliant for mucus-producing cells is vitamin E, vitamin A, zinc, and the omega-7 fats. So omega-7 come from sea buckthorn oil. You can take that as a supplement. But your vitamin A and vitamin E you'll get in all of your fat solu- There's a fat-soluble vitamin, so in all your lovely fats. So with nice organic eggs, eat lots of the yolk, nuts and seeds, avocados. These will all be rich in the omega fats. Make sure you're not reducing too fat in your diet because you're going to be depriving your system.
3: Okay, hi Annelies. Could you recommend supplements for somebody that's recovering after bowel surgery? Would Source of Life be recommended for somebody after bowel surgery? Um, Could be, Patricia.
9: I suppose it depends what type of surgery it has been. I don't know if it's been a resection of the bowel, if there's been polyps removed or if if part of the bowel has been removed completely. So, um, the one nice thing about Source of Life Gold is that it is a liquid. And I think after bowel and surgery and any major surgery really where your digestion is going to take time to settle down it's great to take things in liquid form the only thing about the source of life gold is that there is quite a few greens in there for some people it might mean that it speeds up their bowel movements. so it would i'd say if you're going to try that start on a small bottle um the oxalant would be a nice one there because that is in uh, liquid form and it's been formulated to have very highly easily absorbed nutrients so they would be absorbed well further up in the bowel before, um, you know, you'd have to worry that they might be just, you know, you're, they're, it's passing through too quickly. So that's a good tonic. I would definitely do a probiotic. Go for a good quality, high strength and a broad spectrum one. So Udo's do um, a gold probiotic that's very good. And BioCult do a BioCult boosted one, which is lovely. There's 14 different strains in there. And then if you are having, like the next thing I suppose, is to make sure you're having a, a good daily bowel movement. And one of the most gentle fibers is the psyllium husk. It'll help with a runny um, loose stool and it'll also help if you're struggling to go to the loo. It'll do both jobs and also it's great to feed the good bacteria in the gut so it's great to take alongside a probiotic.
3: Okay, Sarah is looking for what would you recommend for tiredness a week after her periods. She said I'm not lacking in any particular vitamins but just a week following her periods she suffers from extreme tiredness.
9: So I think there could be two reasons be from that, Patricia, like, I mean, iron typically would be one that is very much associated with fatigue. If you're iron deficient, your body's not able to produce red blood cells and therefore you're not getting enough oxygen to all of the cells around the body so you feel tired. Iron and vitamin B12 and folate are the ones that are very important for that. So if you were to have a heavy period, you would feel exhausted maybe after your uh, the week afterwards until your body has enough time to recoup iron from your diet. So what I'd suggest there is maybe take an iron supplement just for the week that you have your period. Um, Take one with vitamin B12 in there and folate as well and see does that resolve your issue. And if it does, then it was due to that. If not, it's probably a hormonal thing. So taking something that might improve hormone balance would help. Agnes, castus is a lovely herb to take. I always find vitamin B6 high dose, you want about 50 milligrams. That can be a great one as well for um, for, for especially if you're like you get tender sore breasts coming up to your period, or if you're getting PMT, where you're tired and weepy and irritable, vitamin B six can be a good one. So those would be probably better for um, hormone balance. But try the iron first. I think it's more likely to be that.
3: Okay. And Phil is getting half of her thyroid removed. What would you recommend for aftercare?
9: Okay. So um, arnica is always a good one for anything post surgery because it helps bruised and um, injured tissues to heal. Um, Very hard to get at the moment, Patricia. We're going to be starting to see a a huge decrease in availability of homeopathic medicine in Ireland, which is very, very disappointing. Um, But Arnica, you can buy it as a tea, you can buy it as a a homeopathic remedy. So that would be the first thing I would say. Um, Then I think probably the the reason the thyroid has been removed is that possibly it was overactive. Um, So generally after something like that, you might find you're getting a dip in um, thyroid function. So thyroid-supporting nutrients would be something like kelp. That's full of iodine and selenium. That's good for the health of the thyroid. But because it's in a food source, it's not going to be so strong that it's going to overwhelm the body. So um, I think to those might be good
3: options. Okay. And my apologies to Sarah on her question about tiredness. She gets tired a week before her period. Ah, uh,
9: okay. That is very common, Patricia. And that is probably more like PMT. So what I'd suggest there in that case is um, there's a couple of very good supplements. One is the NHP. Natural Health Practice is the name of the company, NHP um, PM support. So it's premenstrual support, and it's great for the fatigue, for heavy, painful periods. It's great for the weepiness, the irritability, the sore breasts, the bloating, all of the things. It's an all-in-one. So try that. Take it for the full month for the next time. But then if you find it's helping, you might like to start it just for two weeks before your period is due.
3: Okay. All right. We will leave it there. Listen, thank you for that, Annalise. Have a lovely week. Thanks, Patricia. And we'll you talk too. next Monday. That's Annalise Driscoll of the Health Hub Times Square in Balencolic. And you'll find out all the information as heard on the radio on her website, healthhubstore.com. Nutritional
4: advice on C103 with Somega, Ireland's purest range of health supplements to get you through winter. Better nutrition, better health with Somega, a West Cork company. Go GoSomega.com. That's
3: where I leave you for today. Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. We're back with you tomorrow talk at 10. Today
1: on C103
4: with John Cusack Insurance's Sale. now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie.
0: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.
2: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers.